the GTA Five box mm-hmm. was put out. Yeah, today I saw yesterday. someone's like joke article about it. Yeah. Did you see? Well, the thing that wasn't a joke that was weird to me is that every GTA box is literally the same, and I had never noticed that before. Oh, why? Why is that not worth talking about? Okay, on the let's talk about it on the podcast. It's April 3rd, 2013. This is Idle Thumbs 100. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. <laughs> I'm Jake Rodkin! 100! And I'm Sean Vanneman. How's it going, man? It's really good. Yeah, we're so excited to be here, The 100th episode. Oh, thanks. I made it, you guys. 100 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining Actually, us. Actually, you know what? Fuck that. I am the one person who made 100 episodes. You've so I'm, episode. I did it. I fucking did it. Everyone else has been subbed out on one episode or another. I made it. 100 goddamn episodes. In your face. In your face. I am Lord of Idle Thumbs. I'm the new, for starting with episode 101, the I'm the first name. name. I did, I'm ascending now. This wow. is it. Get okay. ready. And 101. Be prob- first name. I probably won't do it. I'm too afraid of it. Like, it. I can't handle the responsibility. <laughs> I can't do it. Chris, you're so cool. Oh, thanks, Jake. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is Idle Thumbs episode 100. As you can tell by, we all we got the whole gang here. Chris and me and Sean. Nick and Steve outside in the hallway. They're having a conversation on the other side of the wall. They're starting a new <laughs> podcast called Fourth Chair. What? They're not doing they that. They have to trade off. Yeah, it's just one yeah, guy. It's just one chair. It's really sad. Um, yeah, we thought that we would be really cool and record stuff last week during GDC when Steve was in town. We had big and plans. when Nick was around, we had... Big, big, nice plans. And then GDC basically kicked everyone's butt. Yep. Like, it was brutal. Sean and I were busy. We actually, I spent all of Wednesday stressing about a talk we were giving on Thursday. And then after Thursday, most any available time that I had was spent collapsed in a heap after the talk that we gave. I don't think Steve realized that he was going to just be on the floor completely the consumed by yeah. PR yeah. because everybody's really psyched about this game. Cool. And then Chris came and, and just traded for packs to make sure. Packs and then. Was splitting my time between GDC and my actual office because yeah, I hadn't been at work for a week. So like, we yeah. thought we were going to be super cool. Like we packed up the studio and actually brought it over to the convention. Yeah, we center. rented a hotel. Room. We went fucking crazy and then ended up just like tired, ruined husks of failure. So thanks everyone for not listening to us last week when we were idiots. We're back and now. Hopefully you're still there with our hundredth episode. Yep, the best episode <laughs> of Idle Thumbs that has ever been recorded. Yeah, probably this is gonna be a good one. <laughs> you son of a bitch so uh, before we get started i wanted to let everybody know that um zach and justin from uh kingdom of loathing and, and video games new cool dog. video game on oh, video games that hot new dog. cool video game hot dog that all the kids <laughs> no, are crazy about hey, they're doing the word game yeah 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 
but people um, love our, the hot dog stuff. So and that other thing. They're oh. throwing a classic arcade and pinball party in Phoenix. It's a, a con called ZapCon. It's uh, this weekend, April 6th to 7th at the Renaissance Phoenix. I'm not reading this. Downtown Hotel. And it seems like it's going to be awesome. Like they've almost completely filled the space with uh, pinball machines and classic arcade games. Which is cool because, well, so wait, is that actually from, from Zach's like collection? Or their collection? Some are from their collection and some are like guy, from other places. Yeah. He's always talking about some like four new crazy cabinets or well, like pinball tables. We've talked about gotten. the California Extreme Expo a couple times on Idle Thumbs and yeah. he sort of described this as a thing that is similar to that. But well, he bought Yeah, the last time we were at California Extreme, we ran into him there yeah. buying things, which so that, I don't know, going to, we've talked about this a million times, but I was not, not a huge arcade kid, but going to no, the, going either, to arcade conventions fun. is such a fun experience. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like they have some pretty awesome shit lined up actually. They have a, like a, bunch of film screenings they're doing with looks like there's a one called high score one called tilt the battle to save pinball um it looks like some other ones the mini bosses are playing so if you're into if you're into music that's loud and good they're doing like a lot of awesome where, stuff where I re- it's in it? phoenix phoenix yes check yeah, it out at the Zap renaissance downtown hotel yeah zapcon z-a-p-c-o-n.com slash wizard obviously yeah slash wizard <laughs> referencing <laughs> of course the <laughs> nintendo film or the who musical yeah, that's oh, actually pretty good. Not referencing us. Yeah. That so yeah, it looks great. Nice. Wizard party, um, just get a four hundred four. Oh my god! And it's it's totally it's fifteen dollars a day or twenty five bucks for the weekend. Bring your kids for ten. Sounds awesome. You guys should go. Wish we were in Phoenix, except it'd be hot. Anyway, go to that. Cool. Yeah. So we. They didn't pay us to say that or anything. We just thought it was no. Cool. They're just our our pals. Yeah. yeah. I mean, technically. It were backers. So. Yeah, but. <laughs> but not, not gratis, that one. <laughs> Friendo discount. <laughs> yeah. And it was, that was my, my Bioshock Infinite settling in my chair, if you heard that. So that means we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about the <clears throat> Nissan Leaf being a new DLC in SimCity. Oh, no, oh, I can't, I already God. got all that out on Twitter. Yeah, we can't talk about <laughs> Chuck. that. Um, <laughs> Needless to say, I'll be using it exclusively for all of my transportation needs. All of your free happiness and yeah. yeah. Visit. Did you guys see? I just just says like Nissan.com slash en dash us slash wizard. <laughs> That's an insane, insane example of like I don't. This is we don't need to talk about this at length. But like, did you guys see the image that somebody created that was like a series of screenshots of their SimCity city where it's. It's just like it's one road that just goes along like one edge of their thing and then just a bunch of spokes just coming in parallel off of that road and just filled with low wealth, high density housing. And they have a 1.8 million population city with no power, no water, no hospitals, no parks, no no police. It's just Mad Max. Yeah, (laughs) it's just like he just calls it like libertarian fantasy or something. And it's just (laughs) – it is nothing but unpowered, no water, no sewage, no trash collection houses, and that city grew to 1.8 million. And his people, and, he, and taxes are zero percent, and there's no. So he doesn't make any money off of this either, then. Well, he, I, I yeah, but but he still has 1.8 million people living there. I've never even come close to that, and right. like, like, I don't know. It's just it's like what a weird game they made where yeah. that's possible of all things. 
He should do a giant bait, bait and switch on all those people and just instantly put up taxes at 25% one day. <laughs> just make a, God, just a lump you're sum. You're right. You could just like juice it for a second. Just throw it up as high as you can for one year before they have a chance to move out and just right. get all of just, – just get it. No, yeah. what you do and is you actually – I wonder if you could do this. You delete the road that connects them to the main road and then just raise the taxes. <laughs> I don't think that would work. I think they would – Baby still... wall, 1.8 million people. <laughs> they would probably all just become homeless. Yeah. And die. All right. God, I really wanted to start talking about the Chevron oil barrel DLC that they would use to warm themselves, <laughs> but <laughs> for setting your little like little like fingerless glove campfires, sponsored by Chevron. Yeah, it's fucking free DLC. Just w- why not make your game better? <laughs> you don't want those. What the game has homeless people, right? You don't want them to be cold. So in your parks, yeah. you can double-click your park, and then in the park upgrade options for low-income parks, you can drop barrels the same way in the, they, they, use the, they use, like, the sign slots. An oil drum, except it says it has the Chevron logo on yeah, the side. Yeah, it's all scraped off, and then, like, someone's written, like, balls on it in spray paint. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Or, like, drawn a picture of a dude. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that, that's, that's really good. That's what I'm looking for. It's got you know, their home barrel. Oh, yeah. It's pretty sad. I really feel for those sins. Those With their sins. Chevron brand home barrel oil drum. Looking longingly at the Nissan Leaf charging center <laughs> with those shiny electric cars. But the thing is, those are free, so anyone can get those in the game. That's true. They can go from homeless to their job and their Leaf uh, hybrid or electric car, whatever that is. It's a he- electric. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Looking forward to that DLC dropping. Good talk. Anyway, um, <clears throat> you've been playing a video game, though. Well, we've all been playing video games. I know, but I'm, we're always a little this extra one, proud. This when one, Jake comes around on one. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. What do you think of Bioshock? We've been trying not to talk about it for two days. It is so hard to express what I think about Bioshock Infinite because I'm worried that everything that I say is going to make me sound like a butthole. Your job on this podcast is to express what you think about Bioshock Infinite. (laughs) I've been... (laughs) That is the pretense of this entire operation. Your job is to be a butthole. GDC ended and then I spent some time having a normal life for a minute and then basically... Good, I didn't. Oh, in your face. Um... (laughs) After that ended, basically, time that I've had has been spent downloading or playing Bioshock Infinite. Yeah? It yeah. is a motherfucking video game. Um, yeah. 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 I heard it'll blow you away. It's, my experience with Bioshock Infinite is that I'm really liking playing it, mm-hmm. but I'm liking playing it kind of despite myself, which is why I feel weird. Like, th- I feel like we're going to just say things that have been said a million times, but like... I haven't been really following the reception, to be honest, so go... It's as predicted, beautiful as all shit, but like in a beyond, I think what I was actually expecting, like it's pretty beautiful. It's it, man, know. you are dumbstruck by this never video like, game. Have like you guys? Have you guys got like? Okay, just soft start. I just landed on the beach with Elizabeth, so I'm not very far. You just landed on the beach with a, after you get me, Elizabeth. Right. You fall from oh, the sky. Oh yeah, yeah, and then you land on the beach. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Chris, um, where are you in the game? Um, I uh, I just got Bucking Bronco. If you remember where so, that is, okay. So the, the, I don't remember the exact order of or head of events. Me. Yeah, have I you, am. Oh, I am head of. Have Sean. you gone yeah. through I, the weird uh, Comstock Museum? No. Fuck, neither of you guys have gone through that thing. 
Oh, so you know what I'm talking about. Shit. It's all right. This is a spoiler cast. I know. Well, sure. Just you go through a museum. Yeah, you go through a museum. What do you see? <laughs> Weird stuff. Wait, is it? Wait, wait. Have we just declared this is a spoiler cast? Did we say that at any point in this podcast? Oh. No. Is it? <laughs> we have to. Okay, we have to talk about the contents of this game to talk about this game. So I think it's we have to just say. We're going to spoil some of the. At least I'm. I'm going to try and not jump too far ahead. Right. There are certain you, things you're going to see, but we're not going to spoil where plot you guys elements. Are. Right. Okay. Well, maybe I won't even go there. Maybe well, I we won't have even to talk about, about plot elements, right? There's just there's stuff in this game that just does things with the aesthetics of sort of a fictional reality inside of a first person space mm-hmm. with just lighting and color design and atmospherics and architecture and just like. Knowing that you as the player are a camera that's moving forward and that you sort of like the way things are revealed or putting you in corridors and opening opening doors in front of you and having stuff just assemble in front of your face that is just like I don't think anyone could do it better than what Bioshock Infinite is mm. doing in that respect. Mm-hmm. And there is this scene where you go to a museum that is sort of the history of stuff that, that Comstock has done or obvi- I mean obviously it's like a puff piece like propaganda museum and – it feels like a crazy, like David Lynch, Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, fucking just surreal nightmare. But all of it is architecturally sound, and it all takes place inside of these rooms. So you feel like it could just be the most in- extreme stage show you've ever experienced in your life. Just perspective goes fucking crazy. It's like Sam and Max hit the road shit. And I looked through all that stuff and was just like. Jesus fucking Christ, my just my aspirations as far as like video game aesthetics go, like professionally, are just rendered moot by everything that's going on in this fucking game. (laughs) But and also as a video game baby, I although I'm not bothered by the combat, although it does seem like it's a lot of just guys rushing up into my face and then me punching them and then electrocuting some like most fight scenarios for me. And I'm playing on hard, by the way, just to mm. get that out of the way. Most playing fights, on hard? Oh, I'm playing on easy. I started playing on medium, Super and easy. it was even medium was so easy that I just jacked it up to hard. And even hard is not that hard. But medium is easy is like hilariously easy. It, my experience right now, and this that's is, good though. This is probably yeah. not the the real experience that people are having. But I know, like when Walking Dead Survival Instinct came out, the big complaint that people had about that game, or like the number one hilarious like overwrought complaint, unfortunately, was that YouTube video of just guys running up to the camera. And you just meleeing them off one by one, and that's kind of my experience in Infinite, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Where I just feel like I'm being bum rushed by guys, and then I just uh, have I have the spinny arm, uh, skyhook, the skyhook, and it electrocutes people and stuns them, so I can just club people to death uh, and right. stun the forwardmost guy until he dies, and his head pops off, and it's weird. But whatever, I'm still having a lot of fun. Like just the experience of wandering through this game is different to me than a lot of other experiences but for all the things that i like about it i'm sorry that i'm just monopolizing this talk no, but it's fine. it makes me it makes me feel weird because i'm enjoying all this stuff in a video game like just as a video game experience i'm i am just like enthralled by moving forward through what's going on but i think to myself and this is where i become a douche for a second i think to myself if this was not a video game if this was a feature film, I think that it would just be Sucker Punch by Zack Snyder. And that freaks me the fuck out. Yep. Like, that super freaks me out. And it makes me wonder, is this different because I'm a participant? Like, is that 
is that contributing to why I'm enjoying this experience more than if I was a passive observer? Is it just that the actual story and dialogue is executed better in Bioshock Infinite than it is in just like that kind of movie that I really can't abide? Or am I just like, am I wrong? Like, but it just like looking at all this crazy imagery of like, Guys just being blown away senselessly in the most just like beautiful, like deliberately overwrought, over over art directed, right. overproduced, over like sensory overflowing environment. If I was watching this in a film, I, I just I wouldn't go to it. I wouldn't fucking no, no, buy yeah. a ticket to it. I would well, not and, see it. But and with, a lot of that but stuff. But Bioshock, is, I'm having a good time. And it's a lot weird. of that stuff is is markedly different from Bioshock One as yeah, well. Like, I was just gonna ask guys, you don't like. Shotgun in Bio One. If you shotgun a guy, their head doesn't fly off. That happens yeah. in Bioshock Infinite. Like there are there are weird choices. Yeah, it's stuff. a lot bloodier than I thought than I expected as a big big Bioshock fan. Well, I, it's it's bloodier, but there's also like it's the bombast with like right because I mean it's you so kill a lot of guys. Outside, it's like guess, and bloody going to be like yeah. that. That's that's in Bio in Bio One because everything had that was lit blue and yellow the entire time. All blood basically turns black yeah. unless you hit the like <clears throat> the shiny highlight. Whereas in this. When that skyhook goes into the police officer's head for the first time and you just see that huge, like, the first ever un, like, or just, like, the first just pure red come out of the guy's head, like, the first time mm-hmm. that color's ever appeared in the game, it's fucking shocking. But then it's not shocking ever again. And no. it's just gross. Well, no, I agree. Actually, that was a thing I wanted to bring up. Because um, this is something that's not even specific to Bioshock Infinite generally, but, like, it was fascinating because Bioshock Infinite, you know, you do spend so much time... Um, in the game, you spent what, like an hour, maybe before you have before there's a combat. Maybe yeah, I'm, about an hour. Maybe yeah, it's an awesome uh, hour. Maybe a right. little less, but like maybe yeah, maybe my highball. I don't really bit, slow. But like, yeah. you know, it's more time than in most first person shooters, certainly. And that time is and like, amazing. It is, and then when you see when you see that skyhook go into the guy's fucking brain, it is shocking in a way that I think is super effective and really interesting. Yeah, where you're just but like the fact that the game then sabotages just by virtue of being a first person shooter, like. And one that kind of revels in right. gore so much. Now like, it's sort of like it, that's it just sabotages the impact of that moment in retrospect because yeah. it's like it's no longer. Yeah, actually, because the I'm having weird Steam Cloud issues with this game where it feels like my Steam Cloud save is always one checkpoint behind where I actually am. Oh, weird. So I played through the opening of the game two times mm. because I played it once at home and then I was coming in to clean up the Idle Thumbs office and I just was like, fuck it, I'm just going to start playing in here too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up dropping me right at the beginning of Columbia instead of uh, at the end of the at the end of the first Columbia scene. Yeah. And yeah, that moment again, I was like, oh yeah, whatever. A cop getting hit in the face with a skyhook. That's like, I only have done that three million times since then. So it just, it did not like it. Yeah. Um, did you guys all throw the baseball at the dude and not at the couple? Yeah, of course. I played it through twice and I didn't want to like right. crap on my own choice. So I did the exact same thing twice. Uh-huh. But I now really want to know. <laughs> right. Because we throw the baseball yes. or the black and couple. This, and I feel like a weirdo wanting to know that because of things that people say about the choice mechanics mm-hmm. and choice scenarios in The Walking Dead. But Booker pulls his hand back to throw the baseball and then his hand is immediately grabbed by the cop before like, you can him. even throw it. And right. he sees the t- he the sees, act of throwing the ball reveals yeah. his burn. Right. But so, your intent was still registered. Right. Your intent is still registered, but the, the yeah, the out, you, there's, I imagine you never, you there's, there's you no visible see, branch on scene, but like, you can I, presuppose that that spoiler, exact same scene could happen. I ran into the, I ran into that mixed race couple yeah, later on in the game too, yeah. and they say, thank you so much for not throwing that baseball at us. And yeah, looking forward to that. 
Like that's basically literally what they say. I mean, you end up in a sort of like yes. underground railroady type weird sort of right. situation. But your point is that they didn't Harriet know you Cubbins. would. You they didn't know that you would. It. And also, yeah. yeah, it was funny to me to see that happen. Like that, the very first time that they put a crazy choice up on screen, it looks like it's actually the same. Well, Booker turns to the <clears throat> to the um, MC of that scene and says. Take this, you son of a bitch! Before he goes to throw, right? Oh, that's yep, true. That's so true. they would, they yeah. wouldn't have seen that happen. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was. It but was I just, would, I'd be curious to see what happens if you. Yeah. Also, also the nuance. If you, if the same scene happens where you lean back to throw it mm-hmm. and you run into that couple, like they and they don't let you. The, and the guy grabs your hand before you're able to throw it. Yeah, and you run into that couple. The nuance of that scene would have to be pretty well executed. I'm, I'm really sure curious. it is. You, I, you, were like, yeah. you were going to throw that ball at us, but then you didn't because I meant, you were captured. What's funny about this conversation yeah. is that I remembered this scene existing when I was at Irrational, and right. like, I I don't know how it happens in the real game because I know I I know like a bunch of versions of this, like a bunch of iterations mm-hmm. of the of like the moral choice stuff, the like this or that. Um, you know, went through a ton, a ton of discussion and iteration at Irrational. And like, I, and so I don't actually know like where, like how all of the finer points of the execution landed in the shipping game. And that's one of the weirdest things about playing this game for me. It's like seeing all the things that I know all the broad strokes of and like the story stuff mm-hmm. and like what happens next, but seeing, seeing the actual execute, like the rendered what, specificity the specific of it, one yeah. that they landed on and like actually built out is like right. very fascinating to me as yeah, a player. There, there's another, this one is getting a little bit into spoiler territory, I guess, but there's a place where Booker and Elizabeth are trying to get through. It's not because you're in an old timey world full of amusements. There's a place where you're trying to get a ticket <clears throat> from a ticket seller and he starts acting a little bit shady because he presumably knows who you are mm-hmm. and you have the opportunity to either blow him away or just play it cool and keep talking to him and if you play it cool and keep talking to him which is what i did when booker puts his hand in to get the ticket you get a knife through the hand which elizabeth then bandages up and i was actually super stoked about that yeah. <laughs> but it again made me wonder what the hell would ha- it's weird playing a game that has a bunch of stupid binary choice stuff all over the all over it uh having just made the walking dead that's all that i'm saying <laughs> well, what would have happened the other oh, way that's all i'm curious about that makes yeah. me feel like a horrible idiot it's funny though um and when it shows not a horrible when, idiot when it, but it makes me feel weird when it pops so up in the weird. game where it's like oh you don't have to you don't have to engage everybody with violence you can let you can you know it says that pretty early yeah. It's like, hey, just so you know, I don't have to shoot everybody. So Except now I just don't shoot anybody. Never, because it's like, oh, if they kill me, if they, if they, if they fire first, I am the most powerful fucking person on the planet. I'm gonna make a crow eat your face. So I just don't shoot anybody mm-hmm. until they fire first, yeah. which is kind of a cool way to play the game, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like playing the game way more that way. Yeah, it seems more in character, certainly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's kind of forcing me to role play. And just more in character with any human being right. possible. Well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> like, well, if it's a story about you and this girl on a run through a city, you would not just go, pow, 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 and, and just, you're like, I see a police officer over there, and I think yeah. I can hit his head from here. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Shit, why did I try that? Like, that was, yeah. that's not how real life works. No, and I think it's actually a pretty cool that's choice. I, I think it's pretty, I think it's it, pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. I kind of like it a lot. Um. I don't think of this game as like moral choicey though. Maybe it's them too early, you know? Cause like in the, my instance, it's like, well, obviously this like there's a social context of the game. Right. 
And, and then there's a the social context of the world that I'm sitting in. I don't. So I'm like, I'm going to throw the baseball, the fat white guy. I'm good. Thanks. Like, you know, I don't know how much of it is in my experience was like actually like deep moral choices as much as just like, what do you want to do here? Like, it seems like it's just sort of posing these questions. Like I haven't gotten far right. But in I the think game. Sean, in this case, Sean is saying that's not a question. Like, right. You know what I mean? That's so, this. Right. It's, it's just like, like what's sort of be in, a dick for no reason? Yeah, you want to like, be like, like a like, weird, indulgent, like gross person. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like the one that you described, yeah. play it cool or shoot the guy. It's like, I'll just play it cool because there's literally nothing can happen inside of the con inside of the game. As far as I've experienced thus far, that's going to make me wish I hadn't done anything, you know? Cause like the worst thing somebody does is go, Hey, you son of a bitch. And then shoots at me. And then I go, right. crow, crow eats a face. Right. You know, <laughs> the, the ones, the, the ones that I'm, I'm more potentially interested in, I haven't played long enough to, uh, to know what, if any fallout there is from this. Yeah. And it's not a thing is it that, couple? that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Is the, that is the couple, couple that keeps showing up. I like that a lot. Like, I'm curious to like, well, when they what, first, if any, their first experience though, Booker just picks for right. you. You know, I know, which is really weird. Cause yeah, the thought, two times yeah, that I played the game through, he picked heads once and tails the other time. Oh, interesting. Oh yeah, got the heads guys, and tails. Those yeah. guys walk up to you with the 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 chalk line, like the, the chalk board, or whatever. the sandwich board that says heads and has a bunch of hash marks and tails and has none, and they just say heads or tails. And Booker automatically for himself said tails in my first one, and then he they flip it and it's of course heads because it's never come up tails. Like, well, what did I tell you? Da, 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 da. And then the second time I played, he said heads. And like, oh well, I was hoping that there'd be you know that one time it would go against it. I guess it didn't, and they walked away, and it was a. It was really weird. Yeah, I liked that, though. That was good. Yeah. That's the thing. It's so funny. Like, I've spent so much time just looking in the environment and not playing, not being on the rails of the core, right. like, specific creative content. So I've just been shooting guys and exploring, which is awesome and really fun. But I, you know what's funny? Dave Bogan said this yesterday, like two days ago, and he hasn't played Bioshock. It's just, I spent so much time doing those systemic things that I forgot about the little breadcrumbs of the <clears throat> explicit narrative. Mm -hmm. And Dave just sort of said, like, it was funny hearing him talk about it saying, this is a guy who works at Telltale. He's an art director at Telltale, like head art director, essentially saying, yeah, you know, you don't do any of those things in our game and you don't forget about the story. And I thought that was a really like kind of plain, it's a very simple way of looking at it, especially because Dave's been in the industry a long time, really likes the sort of games we make. Uh, and I'm, I think Jake and I are always like, let's make them more systemic and things like this. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess you don't really. And then I found myself just actively forgetting the story of Bioshock Infinite. And then I'd get a Voxophone. And uh, I was like, who is this guy? Why is... Like, I don't feel like I have a relationship with Comstock at this moment. Mm -hmm. Whereas I felt like I'm two and a half hours in, maybe. I felt two and a half hours in. I definitely had a relationship with Andrew Ryan. Right. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. These people feel it also like on TV to me. It, it whereas like Andrew Ryan felt like in Atlas felt like I think it's I think that's deliberate in Bioshock Infinite though because I mean Booker is kind of an exposition factory in this game, but like you keep seeing all these kind things of. in the world. Well, he, inter, at least like his inner monologue made outer is telling you sort of how you're supposed to be internalizing all yeah, this stuff. But just I when, dislike when, that actually. Yeah, I, I know. But just when he just goes what is this even like like he keeps seeing all these things about himself and his relationship with Comstock and Elizabeth and deliberately just keeps saying I don't think that I'm connected to any of this in any capacity right. so like whereas in Bioshock 1 it is just like 
you were born for greatness or whatever, and then just, hello there, friend, I'm the only voice you'll hear for the entire game. Whereas this game, there's just, you're, there's so much other, you know. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's funny you put it that way, because I feel like, and I, I could be totally misremembering the weighting of content in Bioshock 1, but I, I kind of th- remembered my experience in Bio 1 of hearing a lot more incidental characters all strewn throughout. Like, I remember hearing weird splicer dialogue, but they never No, no, I'm talking, talking about the, the, the um, uh, audio logs. It builds yeah. as you go, but I feel like oh, okay. the first like 40 minutes of Bioshock uh, 1 just is just like Atlas Ryan and, 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 Atlas. and Ryan. Okay. And then you, you eventually f- start meeting Tenenbaum and all those other characters. Well, I was but, thinking, I was thinking like the real incidental guys like McDonough and like, you know, like all of the, all Jackie of the, Rod the audio of, like guys mid-level guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, the, uh, surgeon and um well they're bosses i guess but, but yeah they're yeah. in the i guess what i too. meant yeah. is that yeah, yeah. characters who proactively impose themselves on you through scripted triggers and stuff in bioshock one it's literally atlas and andrew ryan mm-hmm. on the radio with you and no one else other than splicers like until tannenbaum shows up until yeah. until other yeah until yeah, tannenbaum yeah. shows up whereas in this game like you're talking to people in the rowboat. You're talking to that minister. You're talking to mm-hmm, citizens sure. yeah, of yeah, yeah. Columbia. Mm-hmm. You're talking to Elizabeth. And then, like, it's a long-ass way in there until uh, Comstock does the Andrew Ryan move of showing up in black and white grainy TV and saying, I know you, guy. <laughs> you know, like, it just takes a long, long fucking time. Yeah. Whereas Andrew Ryan, right off the bat, is mm-hmm. just like, That's true. That's a good point. Sup? Yeah. Or at least Atlas does, I guess. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm not saying the game should follow the same structure of Bioshock. I... The, my from a two and a half hour first two and a half hours, I definitely like Bioshock one more by a lot, uh, like a lot, a lot, um, for I think a lot of reasons. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I do feel really. I mean, maybe that's good though, because I mean, I'm kind of talking myself into a lot of like soft opinions while I'm sitting here talking to you guys, because I guess Booker doesn't really have a strong relationship with these people. So it's okay that they're kind of at a distance. Well, that's me. what's weird. Like, Guy in Bio One has no relationship. Exactly, with but that, right? Booker actually right, technically except, is well, except that that makes Booker's like to me. Booker is emotionally constant vocalizations this, yeah. like ir- irritating and pointless. Like he'll he'll just be like, "Huh, well, guess I've got to go find that thing." And it's like, yeah, you said that literally as. A, like an, an out of world sign popped up on the screen says go find that thing and like I could, I couldn't it makes him turn those things off either. it makes it it makes Booker feel like and it makes his voice feel totally redundant to the actual experience yeah, which I, I find really weird because, yeah because I, I don't want to say his voice is adding anything right now but it's it makes sense that he talks like with Elizabeth two people in the world like I, I think that's fine and great like that's totally but great but when he like but adventure like, game protagonists like, himself yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like I, find very, I find it very bizarre yeah. looks like this room is empty I should get going yeah Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's the ones that I find, the ones that I, I dislike the most, and this is not specific to Bioshock. This is the kind of thing that I often, I'm not crazy about in games, um, uh, is when the character just like has a passive reaction to something that I, as the player, just want to react to. Yeah. You know, like I don't want, I don't want to like to that to immediately after like being like, oh, that was weird. Have just immediately hear the guy. Huh, that was weird. Like, just, uh, I know it was weird. It makes it just makes me feel like the designer is telling me you should realize this is weird. And yeah. I'm like, I already we really struggle that. with that all the time when Walking Dead, especially. Oh, I'm sure it's a tough problem, right? Yeah. Because so, I th- and also I think some people love that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there I'm sure there are players who actually really enjoy that that like synchronicity. We, the- I mean, we get lucky because we have dialogue trees, so you can mm-hmm. choose that thing, and then 
we have this sort of a rule. It's like Lee can't express anything that the player doesn't make him express. Yeah. So that, that kind of that said, tranquilizes some of it. It's an advantage that third-person games have over first-person games because having your protagonist just sort of give something a look that says, that's interesting or I have a thought about that, but doesn't actually have them express an opinion helps, I think, make players notice that they should be paying attention to something, but it's not actually stepping on their own thought process where you're just like, oh, Lee, saw, audio that. Where you're like, oh, Lee saw that too, but he doesn't go, that was weird. If you, like, yeah. it, it's, well, I feel like an adventure game is a little different than a game like this. Yeah. Right? Like you have, in a, in a, in a, in a first person, like, there's never going to be a moment. responding to a narrative event. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it. but like for those, for the function, for the, you know, utilitarian purpose you're describing, like in Bioshock Infinite, you're never going to have a moment where you have to like, there are there are re- there are not ver- it's not very often you have to like solve a puzzle or like no I don't even mean, I don't even mean out. it about that I mean oh, okay. like in when someone says or does something that's just patently offensive or is just fucking weird yeah you can be subtle with showing that a beat is happening to the protagonist without the protagonist yeah speaking the character for the player gets when you have yeah. a face on screen but sure, it's just sure. a stupid that's like it's almost a worthless thing to bring yeah, up I mean, like. You just nine times out of ten, we delete the line and just make Lee look. Booker as a character who's not the player is incapable of subtlety because you can only hear him it's speak. True. Right, you yeah. can't use body language. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good no, point. That's a, that's a really good point. It's a really good point. Um, this game is fucking ridiculously gorgeous. I didn't mention that. I didn't say that. But oh, nobody's that mentioned yet. that. Ever. It's so it's so ridiculously pretty. The 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 scene that the the shot that or like like you know the the. Uh, uh, environment that really blew my mind probably more than any that I've seen so far. Uh, and this was, this was a really cool thing to see actually the final version of built for real is when you fall into the beach and you look out and you see the other platforms of Columbia just kind of in the background past, yeah. past the water's edge. Holy hell. Oh my God. Where you stay land there and you're for like, like five like, minutes. The way that like it's just, presented when you fall out of that tower is like you're falling out of Columbia onto right, earth, onto which earth, is yeah. so good. Yeah. It's God, really, really looking good. Looking up and then just, yeah, so no, good. It's so good. It's, it's I hung out on that beach for a while. Oh, me too. Which, a long know, time. Yeah. It's so funny. Is like, is I, I don't know. I thought this was. I there had to have been a trouble with this, but Elizabeth revives you, and then it says, "I'll be right back," and bounces, yeah. and you're like, <clears throat> and you get well, stand up. It's like, yeah. find Elizabeth. She said she'd be right back. Yeah, like, yeah. That scene changed a lot. Like, I'm just gonna plant. <laughs> like for me, if I'm Booker, I look around. And I have my gun, and everybody here seems cool. I'm just going to sit on this beach, and she's going to come back. It's so weird. Like, if we were in the real world, right, and we ended up on a beach. If you and I were on a beach together. Just holding hands. Mm-hmm. Scampering. Giving me some CPR every once yeah. in a while. <laughs> so I'm Elizabeth in this scenario. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That's um, fine. Sorry. I can give you CPR. Okay. Okay, so I say to you... <laughs> I'll be right back. Yeah. And I run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just, just going to say, hey, I'm just going to sit down. And you're yeah. like, am I going to be here for five minutes or five hours? Yeah. And then the sun starts saying? to go down. And you go, I don't think he's coming back. And then you go find somewhere to get a beer or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny to me when a video game does that. Yeah. That why, didn't, the, why didn't Booker just go and have a beer and just kind of. There's a hot dog stand right there. He's obsessed with hot dogs. Just get one. <laughs> He's obsessed with hot dogs. <laughs> you can eat like 10 hot dogs an hour in this game. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, um, what do you guys think about the fact that this is a world that is fully populated, but you f- can still find money and ammo in the trash? 
That's yeah. I mean, I actually thought about that. <laughs> Booker, oh God, it's so funny. I thought about that. I walked up to a Booker is a to looking like, hobo to the I, max I, in this I, game. Yeah. Like, I feel way more like that than I did in Bio. Same 1. here because it's a citizen. It's a. It feels but like it's a complete society. Also, it's, it's just gone. It's just double tap F to quick loot. So like the battle scene happens. There's all those dead guys. Then yeah. I just go like just like the airplane, like the the fighter plane swoop <laughs> past all these guys are going. Just like, yeah. and then just go into a room, all drawers, <laughs> empty, like all garbage cans. You're Gaga just like Gaga eating all the fucking food. Time. God, it's like that guy just eats every fucking thing that he finds. He just st- it's, yep. I didn't, coins, like just I mean every like God, it's yeah. yeah he, I like, there's a cafe like table that had a bunch of coins on it, and I went, that's someone's tip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of looking for man. Had there been plates to clear, I probably wouldn't have been. So, do that Gaga Gaga thing again. I can't. <laughs> you know what you do? You can just he does to that it. occasionally, Jake. That you get into like <laughs> a frenzied moment. Where, <laughs> I find it so funny. I can't do it on command. I know. I know. It only happens when I imagine Booker stealing shit from a million people at the fastest speed he can, <laughs> chomping it. Tap shift to run, sprint past guys, and just <laughs> just steal all of their food out of their pockets and probably other parts. <laughs> I feel like I'm always um, – this is this is not like a complaint or anything. It's just a weird observation. I feel like I'm always one locked door behind. You know, like there's there's like pick locking that you can get Elizabeth to do or lock oh, I must have just at some point grabbed a shitload of lock picks oh, really? because I always feel like I'm like lock door, whatever. Like just, just five lock yeah. picks? Who gives a shit? Oh, like just man. go, go, go. I'm always like You're one on door's worth of locks behind. Oh, so man. like I'll scrounge the entire level. And there will be two left and I'll trek all the way back to the first one and hope that like in there is a cache of lockpicks, you know, and like – but I, I've done – I did so much backtracking on um, Battleship Bay because of because of that. Um, by the way, how awesome when you uh, when you climb up away from, from – uh, like the first time you get in is one of like the trams that just goes from like point A to point yeah. B in like the large gondola. Yeah. And you get to the top of it and you look back. Like, and, and you just see the entire you see, the you entire see where thing, you were, but in and, like, the inside battleship of the rest bay of the sign yeah. and yeah. like the big battleship under it. Like fucking amazing. Um, also, I really, really, really appreciate that. And I, this is the first thing I did when I got to the top of it is I went to the other side of the gondola and flipped the lever and it immediately went back, down. back down. Like I really like that. Obviously there's a lot of parts in the game that are not like this. I know that for sure. But there are there are a lot of gates that feel like in a 2013 game those they would have just been hard gates that yeah. you can't go back. Some, sometimes to. that does happen. Sometimes I know it has it the thing where you yeah. drop down the lip or when the of big course. gate closes behind you. But yeah, I did it a couple times as well of just go into a room mm-hmm. and then go, eh, you know what? Turn around, level load back out, and I'm like, oh yep. yeah, that's what I like. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was surprised how far I was allowed to backtrack in the game, but it, it kind of makes it okay when you find that first treasure chest, and then the key is in the um. In the, the weird, like, man's fake, house, the, like, the, isn't it like the, the KKK, KKK house? Yeah, yeah. And and that's a bit of a that's a bit of a jaunt to go back. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then also because it, I thought it was a good design decision that it put cops in there looking for you on the way back. It's nice, mm. really nice. That's good. I really liked it a lot. The fact that I was like, oh, of course, guys would come look for me here because this is where I did all the killing, yeah, and yeah, there yeah. they are again. Like that totally makes sense, right? And that's this world didn't. Oh, it was good. Like that a lot. That house was rad. Yeah, a KKK house. It was, Good. It was the problem was, um, it's so overpowered on easy. I think I do need to kick it up to medium. Yeah. Kick, kick, I kick, threw kick down a fireball, and I jumped down with a machine gun because they're all there. Plus, there's King Croman. And before I could, <laughs> is that even, what you call the guy that uses crows on you, King Croman? What? Whatever he is. 
Lord Croman. Sorry, whatever. G- Grand I Wizard Croman. <laughs> I, I think his name is just Grand Croman. Yeah. Grant Croman, I think. Grant, is his name. C H R O M I N apostrophe. <laughs> Grant Croman, executive. <laughs> Grant Croman, Esquire. Yeah, so I jumped down there and they're all dead by the time I started to even. By the time I put like, each Yeah, oh. And they're all just on fire and dead, and then he had blipped away. That boss fight with him was really good, too. I like that a lot. The, the imagery is so more, so much more, like, just aggressive in its details. Like your weird crow hand that you get. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just down it's to just, the It's a really weird, like, little... hyper real situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does feel like. It's also. Maybe it's because I played Bioshock 1 on Xbox and I'm playing this on PC. I think there's just a level of fidelity that is just. This really is just off the charts, even compared to Bio 1, which yeah. is still a really detailed game. But it, it's crazy how aware of its form it is in its aesthetic. Like, I was trying to. I don't even know how to explain that exactly. Like, it's a, it's a dumb comparison. Because the immediate comparison that people are going to make is to the flashiness, but Scott Pilgrim versus the world and this game really remind me of each other in that like Bioshock Infinite is seems more aware than almost any first person game that I've played, especially ones that aren't weird abstract indie ones, that mm-hmm. it's being played from this weird one point perspective camera where like you're in elevators and like everything is composed to just give right. you Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of deliberate composition, absolutely. Yeah. And it it's, feels like they do forced composition at the beginning, but then they Really get hands off. Get later. to that museum. <laughs> part, part of what you're talking Done. about now is related to what you were talking about, the Sucker Punch stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where it just, yeah, and I mean, it, it also goes, goes sort of to how I feel about Scott Pilgrim, but in a slightly mm-hmm. different way. But just like, I mean, it's the stupidest and most obvious example because it's going down an elevator in a mm-hmm. first person game, which every game does. Mm-hmm. But this game then just goes fucking apeshit with it. And it has the God rays coming in and you're seeing those like weird religious quotes that are like cut into the iron so that oh my so that, god so that the, so the i remember seeing that i was just sitting there just mad as hell so yeah good that like was. just from yeah that stuff would just be garbage if you saw it in a film but because right. you have wazden mouse looking can jiggle the controllers around a little bit your brain just thinks sure. of it yeah, like yeah, a theme yeah, park yeah. ride instead uh-huh, and you're uh-huh. just like what i'm witnessing is and also i think because it's continuous uh like because it's first person so it's the equivalent of a long take the architectural cohesion of it exists in a way that it would never exist in a film with this aesthetic because it in right because you're going to see Baz Luhrmann's The Great Gatsby right. and think it's bullshit well, like, even though Luhrmann a movie, lot of it has a, a lot of the same sort of like yeah just throwing in a shit in a Baz Luhrmann movie or in a Zack Snyder movie the production designer invents all of this stuff and it just gets over designed right. and over designed and over lit and over colored to shit. And then it all just turns into these crazy, this montage of just brain-melting bullshit. Well, it's the difference but between, like, forced exposure just, and discovery, right? Well, it just stops making sense to your brain as a cohesive thing, whereas in this I'm on, game... Yeah. I'm on the border with that on Bioshock, by the way. It's almost sometimes too much for me. I agree. Yeah. It's it's a... <sighs> but again, I think you make a good point that because you have that, that modicum of control in those moments, even if you're yeah. stuck in an elevator, you can just it has the, works, how it all pieces together. Right, right, right. But it feels but it also, like, it feels feel like, like I'm discovering this with my eyes yes. as opposed to I'm just being like, like, like or at uh, least you're not being clockwork orange. Clockwork orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I think it's less about discovering it and more about, it's almost like a power balance thing. Like when you're watching, um, uh, you know, a Zack Snyder movie or what, or like a Baz Luhrmann movie, like, it it really it is the director just like bearing down on you like at a thousand miles an hour and like even if the Whereas, stuff is coming to your face at the same rate yeah, in the in game Bioshock like, Infinite, the it feels like this is adjust, here for you to observe and, yeah, you not, look away. and not like 
<laughs> I still feel like the latter is still happening, but I feel like yeah. just if there's the slightest the slightest tip of the scale uh, in the in the sort of like power balance by your ability to just like even just nudge the camera a bit, right? right? And be like, it's not literally every single pixel in every single frame that is controlled by like the the like iron glove of yep. the of the director, right? Like there's just it's that that little bit of just like wiggle room, yep. Um, that that keeps it from from quite being the same thing, and especially in elevator sequences and stuff. But like even just once once you have the ability to move forward, that yeah, and that the needle mm-hmm. pushes even further. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, for sure. Uh, it's such a it's such a weird experience. Yeah, like ah, it's this game is so weird. The number of times that they it is really the, weird. They, the, they, they get excited by having you walk forward towards something and then opening a door and seeing something amazing on the other side is all times. Like this yeah. game is just even when you fucking die, the thing that they have you do is look at a monochrome black and white door and then open it to see this crazy Technicolor world. It's, right. I never died. Oh, <laughs> you should. Yeah, that's actually it's a it's an interesting experience. You should like that's a worthwhile reason to I not think, be playing on easy now that I think about it. I yeah. think that the way that I, death is handled in this game is so much better than the way it was handled in the first game. Just like across the board. Oh yep. yeah, it was because in it's Bioshock, a shock. They, they have they have an in world technological explanation, whereas in this game, you mind if I just tell you what it does? No, I'm gonna crank it up to harder meaning. Okay, medium. when you when you die in this game, if Elizabeth is near you, she'll resuscitate you. But if saying, when you die in this game, it's like, what happens oh, if you die in the game, Jake? Oh. You die for fucking real. But in, in Infinite, when you die in the parts where you're alone, it just goes black and comes up in this weird black and white grainy version of Booker's office. The same sequence from those weird flashbacks that you get. Yeah. And then you just press F to open the door and he opens the door and walks out to where you were. And if you turn around, there's nothing there. So it's just. But it's also kind of ambiguous about what's going on, at least where I'm at, because the visual treatment of the black and white office is identical to what it looks like when Elizabeth opens a tear. So, like, there's some weird thing there. But just that feeling of you coming out of this weird (laughs) fugue state for a second and you don't quite know what happened and it just says, whatever, who cares? You died. You're back now and you went inside your own head for a second. Was it like it just feels so cohesive cohesive and just sort of organic in a way that like you going and waking up in a glass resuscitation chamber does which just yeah felt like it and they needed and they tried to build an in-world excuse in bio one and in bio whatever this is three they said fuck it we're just gonna do a weird thing and it felt it feels yeah i I don't i don't mind the bio one version at all but i but i do really like the infinite solution yeah i mean it is way it's when i think about them the way you describe it and the way i experienced it well, sort of one. A, a literal thing versus a thematic thing. Then I like the thematic one better. Anyway, what were you? Whatever. Sorry. Oh, it's just I'm thinking just the way I consume these games, right? Like, if it's so hard for me to always wonder if it was just because of where I wasn't in, in my like maturity of a like somebody who digests media, mm-hmm. because Bioshock One I think is like I remember having like zero criticisms at the mm-hmm. time, <laughs> like <laughs> literally not one. Yeah. But then I think about that and I'm like, oh yeah, that. that it is way better. Well, I think Bio One is definitely a game that can be criticized for. Like, I think of people course, have made of a lot course, of right. valid criticisms of it. But um, just speaking to the, thi- I mean, I, I think it's an incredible game. I love mm-hmm. it. Right? Like, I didn't say that because I think it. Mm-hmm. The criticisms are well. Yeah, are that's what I'm grievous, trying to say. But, like, like, I didn't yeah. level any, but here um, I could level a million. Sure. I just wonder if it's a shithead now. Well, part <laughs> of it, it's a lot of things, right? Like, I find myself way more fatigued by having to kill a million guys in this game than I did in 2007. Right. Like I, not I, easy. It's hard for me to... No like, fatigue. It would be hard for any, for any game, like Bioshock or what or anything, to like to counteract that for me at this point, right? Like when I'm on my like yeah. 
fifth crazy brutal bloodbath combat in an hour. I'm just like I like it's hard for me to want to keep doing it. Like I get fatigued. That's kind of like why I don't want to move it from easy. Cause yeah, I, know, I blow through these fair. scenes and I'm like, that was awesome. Let's yeah, move on. Right. You know, the skyhook stuff. Mm-hmm. Thought it was going to be bad. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's really good. good. Yeah, yeah, skyhook yeah. stuff is fun. And I just was breaking it down just mechanically. Yeah. How you get on them, mm-hmm. how you get off of them, mm-hmm. the and target on the ground, the turnaround bit as well, the, all of that, yep. how your head, can move and you can target things while jumping off of them it's all so well designed some people redesigned that shit a fucking more times than you could ever possibly imagine. yeah you can tell though it's so, it's good. so good there's yep. not a single thing about it where i go that's stupid mm-hmm. it's just oh, man i don't yeah i'm probably still under nda <laughs> there's a game we were working like the reason i went to china was working on a game that had you had a grappling hook at Disney. Right yeah. when you were at Disney, yeah, way I was back at in Disney. the day, yeah, we had a grappling hook, and it was a long time ago. And I could have only ever dreamed of it being a tenth as good as the Skyhook well, stuff. Yeah, I mean, Infinite's wasn't when that game for a long time, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's sure. it, that shit takes forever. It's like, it ended up being in the in the prototype we built it was pretty. It was okay. Yeah, like it got the idea across, and people were like, "Oh shit!" Whenever they would do it, and but now you play that any, Skyhook shit. Yeah, I did. It's so funny. I mean, I was 22, so it's a long time ago. Um, so yeah, six years ago. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine what I would have thought had somebody just come out of a time machine and said, "Here's yeah. here's Bioshock <laughs> Infinite." Like the correct implementation of yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just so impressed yeah. by it. No, no, it's super good. Yeah, yeah. I think I could probably call out the guy who, who did a good job on that. That's probably fine. Like, right? <laughs> yeah, guy, yeah. Not uh, to the exclusion of everybody else who probably did it. Obviously, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But like, really specifically. This guy, Adrian Balanon, came on in development and just, like, made that shit really good. I mean, a lot a lot of people, including a bunch of people who I didn't even work with because they came on after I was, you know, after I left for Rational. Mm-hmm. But, like, but, yeah, that guy was, like, a, got a fucking star with Skylines. He made an impression in his, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's really good. And, oh, man. The, the balance of narrative to combat in this game feels, did it, you guys aren't as far as I am, I guess, but does it feel more forced to you than it does in Bioshock 1? Like you said, yeah, Chris, sure. you said in 2007, I didn't mind killing guys all the time. And I, that holds true for me as well, but I think that were some, was someone to present Bioshock 1 to me right now, I would be less bothered by it than I am in Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, I think a lot of that is thematic. A lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of reasons just for the, that. The setting that they chose for Infinite, right? Just right. Yeah, it's, I mean, and the fact that you've got this girl with you who freaks out once about you killing someone, but then for the entire rest of the game, it's fine. Like, or I mean, also the just, I extent do feel to like, which that I've played the game. You know? I do feel like the distinction between narrative events and combat events in this game is is far more cordoned off than Bioshock One. Yeah, like the yeah. division feels like Half Life One to Half Life Two to me, the same way Bioshock Infinite or Bioshock mm. One to Bioshock Infinite, where like this is the part where you are running through all this sort of beautiful weird stuff and having all these conversations with Elizabeth, and then you get to the trigger at the end, and then someone comes o- comes on over the PA. Or all the doors burst open and cops come out and you shoot all of them and then they're gone. And then you're back to exploring for a while. Whereas in Bioshock 1, I spent the entire game feeling on my guard like a splicer right. was going to yeah. burst out at any point. Right. Well, I, because I, I it would have been points, totally actually. appropriate for that to happen right. at mm-hmm. the time. Because, yeah. yeah, you're in this place that just has drugged out weirdos who have been living yeah. in it. And it's, not a ho- it's funny because like, I was thinking about the difference. Of, Bioshock 1 is a horror game. Though. I was you're just going to say yeah. that. Yeah, Bioshock Infinite is not a horror game. So I was thinking like the Crow 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 level whenever you're with those guys. <laughs> and uh, like, Oh, Grant Croman Jr.? Yeah. yeah. Grant, <laughs> that's true. Grant Croman the third of the Crow Crow Crow. Yeah. 
But the crow, hey, crow, crow, I walked into that. I went, I went into that and I said to myself, <laughs> I remember perfectly. Um, and I was talking to Amelia and I said, I don't, am, I, am I supposed to be scared right now? She's like, scared of what? And then I like, we talked about it, but scared of a, Right. But I remember walking in. I'm like, this is a this is horror, right? Am I? Is this horror? And then I was never scared. It's but just I was scared shitless playing Bioshock. Yeah, and the, it had horror moments where you turn around, there's a guy in your face. But the one, th- so I was like, okay, that's not what this game is. No problem. And I enjoy it for what it is. But I thought about that crow and creepy Croman. Yeah, creepy crow scene with the Grant Croman as the King Croman. <laughs> Grant Croman as King Crowman. <laughs> King Crowman. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But uh I got two voxophones and then murdered that <laughs> son of a bitch. Like that's pretty much it. Two voxophones. You gotta get off baby m- mode. And murdered his ass. <laughs> you gotta get off baby mode. But I mean I don't think it's what he's it's not even right. by how difficult it was to fight those guys. It's how much I I didn't traverse very many feet. And I didn't feel like I was uncover, like I was unraveling who these people are and right. why they're here. But you have there's no risk to your life at any point in this game, and that does change the dynamic when you're in a dark space and four guys come out that you can't quite see. Whereas you're like, I'll just put fire on the ground and they'll be gone. And I'm fine. No, but I, I mean, I don't even digest that much content. I don't know what that guy's deal was. That's true. That's fair. You know, but I definitely knew there was the guy who, um, not Xander Cohen, but the guy, the I guess it was a like doctor Steinman. Steinman and yeah. both. And both Xander Cohen, I felt it took me like an hour from first impression to combat to get to those guys, or forty-five minutes maybe. And also the way the levels were laid out, they were less they were less linear, right? So, but in doing that, like before I got the Steinman, right? I learned about what Steinman was trying to do with medicine. I learned about multiple, like lots of his patients. I learned about like the ramping up of his neuroses becoming a psychopath like surgeon. I felt like I was, and I also on top of that, I was being fed little pieces about what had happened here at rapture. Cause it's early in the game. And I don't feel like I got any of that from walking up to that big building mm-hmm. to boss fight. You know, it felt like 20 minutes of gameplay, maybe half an hour, um, 20 minutes. I think, I think that's being generous, yeah, but sure. it's not, obviously the gameplay time would have increased if I was playing it on a harder difficulty. I didn't really traverse that much acreage. And I just felt like there's something about being underwater and you're in this sort of like, even though it's a city, it feels like you're in this, this cell or this coffin. Yeah, it's very claustrophobic. It's very claustrophobic and everything's in the details and it's all metered out in such a way well, that by the time I get... So you feel the pressure of the world yeah. on you. Like, but literally. I think you're talking about two different things. By the time though, I get right? to because the... Stuff yeah, about, but just, there's the stuff all of it like works together to create an intimacy. What's going with, oh, sure, okay. Yeah, and all of it works but together this, to create an intimacy with the story that I think you still... You could still still tell the story of you know his honorable Croman with with you know with yeah, the, that, without all of those other like specific. It doesn't need to be underground and stuff like elements. that. Yeah, but I do yeah. think it there's is sort true of that all that stuff works together though, right? Because you are you're in these tight tunnels and it feels like there's absolutely no escape. And as you're walking further and further forward, because you're playing a single player campaign in a first person video game, you're learning more and more and more about what you're going to face in this oppressive world that you can't escape. Right. And then you have to confront that guy. And you're right, you 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 could do a different version of that, but the specifics of how all of those things combine in of Bioshock course. One yeah. is, is, like, sort of is like really an, harmonious. An intimacy of of setting and the metering out of the story that really produces like a deep no a deep not just knowledge but of the exposition, but 
I felt very different than I in medical than I did well, in Xander Cohen's life. Bioshock level. One is like classic horror movie, right? Where you're a little bit, but you're, not really, you're creeping though. through this fucking terrifying haunted house at the exact same time as someone is reading you the story of the haunted house. Yeah, sure. And yeah. then, and then, yeah. boom! A guy, a boss comes out, and it's fucking feel, terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I didn't personally feel like I was. Like a like a horror thing was going on when I was playing Bioshock. Like that, I was scared that game, more. But I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was tense, but I didn't. Bioshock didn't wasn't like scary to me though. Like I, you know, what I mean, I, told, I see where you're coming from. Like in theory, but it didn't I actually. Guess, feel I guess that haunted way to house me. horror movies are not scary for me either. But like yeah. I was on. I, God, I was about to say I was on the edge of my seat. I was. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. in this game, that's not what they're going for, obviously. But my emotional my tension arc feels way more homogenous. I guess and. Well, you know, I know, you know what adds to that too is yeah. like a character talking to another character. Like that, like that in games, that's just a thing that like in general diffuses and reduces tension. Like when a character has someone to like riff on or like, like, hey, Booker, I found this coin. Like that, yeah. you know, anything like that is just inherently going to cut tension and, and going to like smooth out those moments of unsure. Because if, if Liz is not freaking out, you can kind of assume it's okay not to freak out, right? Yeah. Like if you're, if, oh man, I'm serious like, though. Yeah, like no, in Bioshock, like you're con- like for me, for me in Bioshock, it's less about again like the horror stuff and more about just like you don't ever know what's going on. Like it's you, like those guys could attack at any moment. Right. Like it, it never you don't ever and it withholds human contact. Do you know? Yeah. Do you whereas know about- in Infinite, like you've, it's like the same way that like if you're walking alone at night with someone, it's totally different than if you're just walking in the middle of the night right. in like a bad part of town right. by yourself. Like you got someone to just like joke with and like say things to. Like it's gonna make things less. This is a period. dumb but also best thing that it reminded me of, which big cats in zoos that have to go out and like visit school children or be go to like donor events. Like when this, when they bring like <laughs> big cats who have to go to donor events, like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I was following you and no, I was no, like, sorry. Oh, the cat has to go outside because, to go to the, okay. Because, no, he has to put on a bow tie. No, no, no. Because, because <laughs> zoos, a tiger and a bow tie. Big zoos, cats who are big donors to zoos have to do events where they take animals to places like, they'll you know, have a weird zoo day at a school or whatever. But they don't bring yes. like, tigers. Here's, Here's the thing that is crazy about that that I that I learned that is that they is do they don't bring tigers but like cheetahs like slight mid sized <laughs> big cats do actually show up but the way that this works which is wild I wish to this me. podcast was video sometimes <laughs> oh my god just so people could see my face right now <laughs> seriously the big cats are raised at the same time <gasps> with a puppy sure and this is real they put them in fucking cages next to each other so that they grow up together and actually end up becoming friends like, oh, oh, is that where those gifts come from. Yeah, probably, but it's because like a golden retriever, which will become friends with with a big cat, is going to be calm as fuck when it's around people. And the cat actually looks and is like, "Okay, my buddy's chill. I'm, I'm things wow. are probably I don't okay. got to eat all these kids." Yeah, <laughs> that was a remarkably relevant anecdote. Also, that must be where some of those gifts come from, where you yeah. see like a crazy tiger playing around with like a kitten or some shit, and you're like, "How oh, is that?" Yeah, it's because happening? it's because zoos often like animals that they know or cats that they know they're going to have to show raise them. From big kittens with puppies that grow to a comparable size because dogs don't mind people. God, that's fascinating. Wow. Anyway, I read an that anec- dog is Elizabeth. I read an anecdote <laughs> that when Bob Iger was pitching Animal Kingdom in Orlando, Florida, he was, halfway, Park? He, yeah, he was halfway through his pitch because he was working under Michael Eisner at the time. <clears throat> he was halfway through his pitch about why this is like good. This is why, the, why a zoo, a wild animal park, should be part of the Disney family, which mm-hmm. is a big fucking step. 
Yeah. And then towards the end of his pitch, the doors of the boardroom open and somebody walks in with a fucking tiger. Oh, shit. And it just walks around oh my God. The, the, the board table. The Three table. people pee and the then, pants. And then walks out and he goes, that feeling is why we should do this. Oh, my God. That's the end of the pitch. That's amazing. Also, oh, that's, yeah. a, that's incredible. I told yeah. that story. That was the you end guys... of that board, too. It was gruesome. So, yeah. This must be pointed out briefly. Yeah. You told you were giving all those analogies about how you feel in the game and how Elizabeth makes you feel. And then I said, oh, that reminds me of, of an anecdote. Anyway, big cats. And then you guys spent the entirety of my story shitting on me until the very end. And then you went, oh, wow, that's actually a very relevant <laughs> anecdote. So go fuck yourself. We let you say it. Up. <laughs> you barely let me say it. Barely. I just smiled like, what is happening? The last time you did that was the thing debacle. We got many reader emails who said they understood exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> that's true. So you guys can just eat it. This is episode 100, and I'm in charge. That's, that's true. You are King Croman. <laughs> Honorary King Croman. Yeah. I'm King Croman for a day. <laughs> it's another thing they do at donor events. Yeah. <laughs> Little Johnny well, they is King Croman. They surround you by crows who eat you. <laughs> oh, no, you don't want to be King Croman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah guys, guess what? Guys, there's a silent auction over there. Like, they made me King Croman for a day. For a day. <gasps> what? What? What, the f- <laughs> what are you guys, why are you guys giving me that face? <laughs> One feather falls in the sky. Right. <laughs> Except it's, bl- it's like the opposite of Forrest Gump. <laughs> is there a feather in that movie? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's all I remember about the feather. Is I feel like I have. I have. I feel like I'm not saying all the things that I wanted to say about. You know what's going to happen though? We're going to finish it this week. We're talking about, talk about next week. Yeah. I'll see you there. Idle thumbs Pod. 101. God. When we fucking take you to school. Did you see video games? <laughs> you ready to do this? What are you doing? Yeah. Are you asking if I'm all ready for this? I are you all ready for this? I, for this uh, podcast, uh, 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 uh. I was a transformer singing. Are you all ready for this? Oh, <laughs> that was my impression of a transformer singing the hit '90s jock jam. Y'all ready? Y'all for ready this? for this? Is that actually the name of the song? Those songs always have like. I totally think it's like, yeah. It's like y'all, t- yeah. It's like pump up the whatever. Yeah, right. bracket. Pump y'all up ready up for the this? jams? Y'all yeah. ready for this? It's probably called pump up the jams. No, that's a different. That's pump up the jams. No, that's not up. called that. That's called. Uh, Get your psych on or something. I don't fucking know. They all have like other thing where you go to finish because we fucking talk to each other all the goddamn time. You do that thing where you're gonna finish somebody else's sentence, and you (laughs) and um when you said get your, I thought like I just had finished it in my head with get your booty ready. Which was just for the that's funny. Way, that's way better. That's way better and more appropriate. Than get your psych God, on. Yeah, I couldn't think of what to say. It's God, like get your booty ready. It's just like <laughs> pump up the jam. Get, get your booty. Ready. Get your booty there's ready. also there's probably there's just like, guy really like, like little guys. Get, get, get your booty, booty ready. ready. Just like sneaking on the double time. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, it could also just be a pump up the jams, get your booty ready remix, where there is just the, like it starts with the guy. That's true. It's basically the same song. Get, get, your, and then just, get your get your get your booty 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 ready. Pump pump. Yeah, that's happening. Yeah, those horrible remixes where they were just the same song, but they just abuse the shit out of like sampling right the thing a million times like before and after. Fucking sampler that can actually let you just press a button and have the shit go all over the place. It's basically just the equivalent of the like oh, it's poorly the, implemented flash sound right, that just Psychonauts remix. It's pump up the jam. Psychonauts remix. God, I ran into that on accident today. Sarah Argadale um, linked the like how to pronounce the name of a word, 
and the like the entry she linked to was the Roman Emperor uh, Hupianus, which is just the guy on the pronounced page when you click listen, just sounds like he's just doing it as a joke. He's like, poopy anus. He's just so fucking pleased about it. And it does the flash thing where it's poopy anus, poopy anus, poopy 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 poopy. Get your booty ready, poopy anus. Yeah, so anyway. Idle thumbs. 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 Idle Featuring infinite Bioshock discussion. <laughs> hey, oh, hey. this podcast is now over. Thank you for listening. <laughs> it's funny that we had a celebration of our podcast in which it there was also a specific topic that had nothing to do with like celebrating our podcast. What Bioshock Infinite? Well, yeah, just like the fact that that instead of being like a cast extravaganza, the, uh, right. yeah. it just so happened to episode, coincide like, with like the 50. week where. Was a fucking Idle Thumbs extravaganza. Yeah, it was a live show. That was, no, episode 50. Oh, no, 51 was live. Yeah, 50 was the one, though, where that we was just... farewell. That had, like, a 10-minute Goldblum segment and stuff. We don't even have Nick Brecken on this one. Yeah, ugh. He said uh, he was tired. Yeah. Of us. Mm-hmm. Accurate. Um, <laughs> we, we saw you building that fort today at work, and I just heard him go, Fuck that guy. <laughs> That's what I thought was actually happening. <laughs> I sent a message to Chris saying... I bet Nick's looking at me make that making that fort. Um, <laughs> I and me. Anyway, um, I thought what, it's funny too because when you when you sent that message to me, I thought you just meant like you put some boxes on top of each other. But then I looked at it and there was like a hole cut out for like a door. There's a hole cut out for like, a door, like yeah, seam tape. There's a little like uh, a little box coming out of the top. You can stand up and stick your head out of it and look around. It's got everything that a fort needs, except it doesn't have a no girls allowed sign because because HR. Well, yeah, because HR. Hmm. Also, a girl helped me build it. <laughs> Had Crystal just hung that sign at the very end? Yeah, if Crystal it? got, she would be the Anyway, um, Henry Torres writes. Hi, Henry. Henri. He writes, hey, Thumbs. Henri, Henri Torres. This, this is not <laughs> is a question. Bonsoir, Henri. Okay, he's Sorry. not French. You don't know How that. do you know? Because it's H-E-N-R-Y. Pierre Charette. Not French. Not French, but you think he is because his name is Pierre Charette. Uh, no, that's Charette. You would it's still Charette. Pronounce the E-T-T is oh. Pierre Charette. Oh, I don't know how to speak French. Uh, it's clearly. Wow. <laughs> Henry Torres writes, hey, In the French Loke of Bioshock Infinite. Sorry. He does not. God, if he had, <laughs> which I played exclusively as a French man. <laughs> um, he says this isn't a question, but a possible discussion piece. A friend of mine shared a snapshot of a SimCity advertisement, which makes the claim, no decision is a bad decision. In passing oh. the link around in typical internet rubbernecking fashion, I was trying to reconcile the faults and merits of that philosophy to designing games. On one hand, if no decision is a bad decision, where is the room for fail states and actual earned success? Then again, you have instances like skill selection and builds where you want to avoid players sabotaging themselves because they did not make the right choices. My examples are only a talking point, but I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on the notion of no decision is a bad decision in a game. You should never market your game with that sentence. <laughs> Ever. It's weird thinking about it in terms Which of SimCity. Did. I didn't know that SimCity was no. being marketed as no decision is a bad decision. No. I didn't know that either, but I don't think that's true about that game. Yeah. 
I maybe I mean, that's why maybe that's why one point eight million bad. poor people can live in that one plot. Right. It's it's you a game. Like, no the, the bad decisions. The, right. No, that's, that's, those were the ways in which yeah. that is true the, and irritating. The, the simulation in the new SimCity tries as aggressively as it can to continue to survive. No matter what you do to it, your city will continue to exist, which is yeah. actually yeah. kind of lame because your city dying out because you fucked it up is what. Right. I think it's a case by case basis. Right? SimCity like, life you finds kinda... a way is the real slogan. <laughs> <laughs> With a picture of a weird like Sim Goldblum, whose name in this case is Sim Goldblum. <laughs> God, I love that Maxis game. Sim Goldblum. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people played it's it. The but... box for Sim Goldblum is just a reclining. Is that reclining uh, shirt unbuttoned Goldblum? The Brendan Bird. Oh yeah. Yeah. The the, the Brandon Bird one also has a butterfly on his on his yeah. finger. Yeah. yeah. Sim Goldblum life finds a way. There are n- no decision is a wrong decision. Keep smacking your whatever chair into the thing. Neighbors silence themselves finally. Yeah. But uh are we done with that one? No, I don't know. We haven't one? even answered it, have we? Oh uh, you guys both went to your phones like you were looking for the next piece no. of reader mail. No, I, I I thought you were Wow. Do you have stuff, stuff to say about it? Yeah. Then please then speak. I, I, no answer is a bad answer to this question. I think it's a case by case thing, but I think in, t- in the examples that I brought up in SimCity, I, I disagree because I want to see what happens when everything goes to hell. And then in sort of skill tree stuff, I think, yeah, I think that's not like a fail state choice. I think you should just be able to play the game how you want to play if they're going to expose that stuff to the player. I think the most <clears throat> generally. If you're making choices that are set to like advance you towards a target goal in a game, then I feel like it's more interesting if the game just keeps trying to accommodate those choices that its systems ask you to make. Obviously, your decision can't be to stand in front of a machine gun and just let it cut you in half. But sure. I think that's kind of what he's talking about. <laughs> that's not an interesting decision, right? Though, right. So, yeah. But I do think if a game is, or know, the game just invents narratively, oh, I guess you're impervious to bullets now because <laughs> you didn't die from that. Anyway, yeah. it's now a story about how you're a superhero. Like, yeah, you can't really get like, player stories. Yeah, there's the slippery, slippery slope. The slippery slope is not a uh, slippery crow, crow, crow. Go it's ahead, Jake. It's your turn now. That's his name, Slippery Crow, Crow, Crow. Yes. Oh, sorry, Slippery Crowman. Is his actual name? I got that. I thought I was thinking of the other thing. It just sounds like a villain from a Mickey Mouse cartoon, nineteen thirty-five. Grand Slippery Croman. Yeah, anyway, sounds like sorry. a Ducktales villain. The slippery slope. Yeah, it doesn't really apply here. I don't think because it gets absurd really fast. But I find it interesting when games are able to just accommodate those those level of choices. And we've talked, I think, at length about that and the sorts of games that we try to make or would like to continue to make. I think it depends on. I mean, like you said, it's case by case, but I think it depends. Uh, on a lot of things, including what kind of decision you're talking about, like whether it's a gameplay decision or whether it's uh, like a like a narrative decision, because mm-hmm. I think those you could this could be talking about either one of them. I mean, he mentioned some cities, so obviously this is more about gameplay. But I mean, people often talk about this with respect to games like Mass Effect or uh, Bioshock or The Walking Dead, or right. you know, games where you have to make an explicit choice between two things like you have to make a decision and that decision reflects something about your character's worldview or, or, or whatever mm-hmm. um, and I think in those cases I like when the game doesn't um, 
I prefer when the game doesn't come right out and when it's map not like a, a weird graph. shell game or like in one of my two hands is the coin. Choose which one you want. Oh, you yeah. got the one without the coin. Yeah, You're, you've well, like a waste. That's of your not even life. what I mean. I mean more like in in Mass Effect where there's like a Paragon Renegade yeah, thing, and like shit. the game is kind of implicitly making like influencing your choice because you, you like have it to stack you to, like, it up against things you've done in the past like, yeah exactly yeah. i really dislike that um because it just it's totally at odds with how any human operates in reality right. right so like you're just you're inherently making it less true a less true depiction of life than it would otherwise be and like why would you want to sabotage that yeah. but anyway right. aside from that like on the other side of the coin um i think it's also dangerous to oh, get the renegade side <laughs> on the on the renegade side of of designing this choice uh i feel like it's not ideal either to um to get too much in a situation where you're kind of just like no nothing's nothing has any moral like uh, uh uh meaning at all like everything is just a choice and we live in a nihilistic world where like nothing has any you know uh you're never going to be judged for anything like i you know, I think that that makes things kind of not interesting for the other reason. Like, you want their. You guys had, had talked about this in an interesting way in your talk about The Walking Dead because the thing that I like about your game is that there's no ch- there's no choice that the game itself declares is wrong, but there's a choice that the player could definitely think is wrong uh, in interesting ways. You know, and I I like that I like that uh, your game doesn't try and. At least it didn't feel to me like it tries to kind of wash the player's hands of it. No, you know, like no. You, it exists, like this can exist in a thorny, a thorny area. I mean, even your game plays it soft a little bit in the sense mm-hmm. that you're kind of, I guess, in the world of Walking Dead, you're acknowledging all these things are so awful. <laughs> like, right? You know, you might as well just pick pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I still prefer that like enormously over the Mass Effect yeah. route or like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Stuff like this is really hard. But something I like, I mean, if games just let you make, there's no wrong decisions. I think what's more interesting, and we talked about this at our talk, what is <clears throat> the game somehow offering you a way to con- to like express how you feel about the decision that you made or the fact that you had to make the decision at all. You know, whether it's, we use dialogue trees, obviously, but, you know, I kind of mentioned it in the talk where later... <clears throat> if you change your opinion about something, like if you say, Hey, fuck you, Larry. And then later you're able to say, Hey, I didn't mean it. Games don't really let you do that ever. They sort of say, make this binary choice. And then you don't get a, that, that's then like recorded on your stat sheet. Forever. Yeah. It gets, this goes to your stat sheet. You don't get to like reexamine your stat sheet and go, Oh, you know, what? I feel differently about that now. Or, Oh, I wouldn't have made that decision. Yeah. That way. I mean, there are relatively few games that have that kind of ensemble cast thing going that, that also fall into the, territory of games where you're actually making a bunch of direct choices that impact other people you know like in a mass effect game most of the time when you're making those decisions they're about characters you're going to see for the duration of that mission or occasionally a couple times throughout the game but they're not going to be like at your side all the time which is one of the things i thought was really interesting about dragon age which is the game where you're still a lot of the choices you're making are like external to your to your to like these people ongoing with you but they will have a like ongoing persistent opinion and make judgments about those things as you do them mm-hmm. uh, which i thought was really interesting really cool. like a really interesting way around I mean, I really, you've, you've brought up problem. dragon age a few times well i still think that's one of the best ways really of handling morality <laughs> like i yeah. 
I think they did a way better job in Dragon Age 1 than Dragon Age 2 uh, with that. And Do you like Dragon Age 1 better than 2 then? Yeah, a lot better. Much, much. Okay, like, I so can't even. Like, play Dragon Age 1. enormous for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I know some people who are like obsessed with Dragon Age 2 and they have interesting reasons for it and that's fine. But I, I think Dragon Age 1 was such a more interesting exploration of, of a lot of those things. Um, uh, and I, I like how they did it not better than any other Bioware game that I've played since they since then. So like, hmm. I don't know. I feel like they hit on something interesting that I wish they would have explored more. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Only. I mean, that game is still oh. irritatingly min-maxable in the way, like the, right. the, the totally valid criticism of Dragon Age 1 is like, give the lady magic spell books until she has sex with you. Like that's still totally true <laughs> in that game. Oh, right? as like, in life. It's just like, <laughs> they have those things where you have like a friendship meter where you give people right, presents yeah. and they become more your friend. And like, that is really obnoxious and absurd, right? Like I don't, if you gave me a like present that, but every single day for a month, <laughs> I would, would probably. I'm not gonna say I had sex with you, I'm married man, Chris. Sure, fair enough. God, you'd give me some CPR. I would CPR the crap out of you, though, <laughs> on the beach. You have so many. I would, give you, I would give you so many CPRs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's a that's a part of that game that is pretty dumb. But the but a lot of the the stuff that just exists in the world where you you make a decision and people in your party react to it that was really strong. I thought. God, what if you did that? What if you just gave somebody a present every day for a month? That'd be fascinating. Yeah. Just to watch their them their relationship slowly change. Because <laughs> it just, would. Yeah. Because they would sort of like day eleven, <laughs> there'd true. be a moment where the person That's went like, true. Hey dude. Like, what's going on? Like, like what? Yeah, there'd be that sort of what's going on, then yeah. there'd be the comfort of it, and then yeah. there'd be the I'd probably be like, stop, stop, stop. But then you realize that that wasn't going to happen. And, and maybe you get you a couple gifts that are actually like fucking rad. Right. It's like you get like a Mac, like a Mac, you don't have like an iPad you. mini. Oh my God. Like an iPad if you mini. just budgeted $5,000 yeah, yeah, for like yeah. this experiment over the course of And then at one point month. you get like, you start like, what? Yes, sometimes it's like, oh, I got you this croissant. You know, it's like really <laughs> good. It's baked from the place on the street. I love them. Like, yeah. oh, this is a really good croissant. And then other times. It's, you know what would be really interesting? Is if you on like day like oh you're gonna say the day that you don't give the gift for a day yeah oh yeah no, that's when it, that's when you're like <laughs> yeah. oh oh thank God the gift is back the next day right well it would you, be so funny if like at four p.m. that day like oh hey sorry man I didn't have anything for you today and like, <laughs> just, like, make really casual oh man like, I thought that it would be like just, you just don't even appear like nothing happens. that could happen too yeah, I think yeah. they'd both be interesting yeah. Yeah, I'll try uh, this on two different people. Because the one, because the person, I wonder what, because not wait, mentioning it, would cost. not mentioning it at all, you'd want to, or like not even being around, you, you know, you'd want to see like what their reaction to it is. But then the one where you do mention it, you'd want to see if they, like, if then they interpret that as you feeling like you are now responsible for doing this and you actually are apologetic. Right. When you do Oh, if, you're, and then if your like, follow up oh, gift is like the apology gift. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's the middle ground where, it's not that you don't say anything, but you just make sure that person sees you just walk past them on the street. <laughs> Where you just like, you don't make eye contact, but you just like the same way that you would always stroll by and hand them a gift. You instead yeah. on the other side of the street. Just Wait, walk so you're by. imagining this is a person who you don't even know? Yeah, you're, you're like a weird, like, like oh, Christopher no, no. Nolan's following. I don't know. No, no. I don't care if it's a person that you know or not. I right. imagine it's your friend. This thing is just Adam. Yeah. But yeah. Just if. Whatever this encounter is, you just turn it into a really weird passive one where that person observes you existing in the same area as they do, but okay, you don't so actually. We're going to start doing this with Nick Brecken starting tomorrow. Oh my uh, God. He's not you on this pod. <laughs> do you want to? I mean, no, I we think can't do that. Between the three of us, between tomorrow. the three of us, we can afford to do it. That's we don't have to true. do anything crazy. You guys then, work with him, and I live with Maybe him. Nick so Brecken will have sex with us. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so <I> don't <laughs> on day 30, he's know. just like, I would have had sex with you if you just asked. <laughs> I don't think it works if it's three people. All no, I think somebody has to come from one person. Someone has to be the designated. Yeah, but we could. You could have. Or, we could bankroll it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Huh. He's not going to listen to this, right? So this is actually <laughs> he doesn't listen guys, to this. I think we think about doing this. It. Is a How perfect do we segue that? into the next. I'll just ask him if you listen to last. Oh, he'll he'll tell me. Okay. You guys ready? This is like. If he says, if he says, why should I? Just be like, no, that wasn't that good. Yeah, that's garbage. Yeah. Which is probably true. Definitely don't talk about you. Jeremy Thornhill writes, hey guys, I was wondering if you've noticed the bizarre rise in the indie, indie truck simulator subgenre. This has nothing to do with anything. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you <laughs> sold this as you a monster a seg. Euro Man, Truck Simulator 2. I thought the comma, here's three copies of your, I thought God that's what that it. was going to no. be. There's Jake. nothing. You're killing me. Euro Truck Simulator 2 specifically has generated honest-to-God mainstream praise and features a surprising marriage of freewheeling exploration, solid driving mechanics, RPG light advancement systems, and a business management sim. And then he sends me to the link for Euro Truck Sim 2, which has an 80 on Metacritic, and says, uh, P.S. This is totally not a joke. This game is actually awesome. No, really not a joke. This game blew me away. So um, we were given the gift of Euro Truck Simulator 2. Metacritic the, 80. This guy better knowledge. send us follow-up emails every day for the next I month hope telling that us about once under, an episode under, we're appreciated surprisingly game. good yeah. European so simulator games. That is our challenge to you, Jeremy Thornhill. Um Man, kind of curious about this game now. <laughs> Cuz there's a million of these games and yeah. for one to have like broken through as like the interesting one. Yeah. It is interesting. It's yeah. fascinating. Um we've kind of talked about this before. We got to play Lords of Football. But um <laughs> Lords of Football, yeah. <laughs> Thomas Burton writes, Hi Thumbs, the Oculus Rift discussion on last week's episode reminded me of a question I've been thinking about for a while. Should immersion be so valued in games? Immersion conflates the virtual world with the real world, hiding the fact that the former has been intentionally authored. It therefore tempts you into accepting the author's vision unquestioningly. I prefer to be constantly questioning the assumptions art makes and don't like the idea of a game that pretends nothing is being assumed. What are your thoughts? Thomas Burton. I mainly agree with this guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think like I agree I'm, with his philosophy at least. Yeah, generally speaking, I feel like I immersion is a valuable tie tool. Immersion but I, to that though, but well, closer. I, I feel like immersion is a valuable tool, but I I don't like the notion that immersion should like have to come out of the thing and like be beyond like what the medium is fundamentally about. Be this like continual technological arms race, right. you know? Like we, I, it's kind of obviously any medium like film or, or games or anything like that relies on technology to exist. Like you're never going to be able to, right. to, to not technology progress. And I don't think that should be the point. Like I'm not saying you need to just like never have those things progress. That would be absurd. And I would never claim that. But I do think that like, if you get to the point where you kind of figure out what the baseline for this thing is like film is basically speaking, it's like an image projected onto a screen or like with sync sound. Yeah. Yeah. With sync sound or like running on a screen or whatever, like regardless of how the, how the image gets on the screen, that's basically what a film a moving is. Moving like, 2d image with sync yeah, sound. Yeah. Um, and like, I feel like and we have stuff like IMAX, which is like a crazier version of a screen. And we, and like, but once you get start getting to the point where it's like, well, what if we put like crazy smell of things in there and like have you ever, have you mist that? coming out of the, 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 the over California. Yeah, it's hilarious. Awesome. Yeah, and like that stuff's fun as a fun as a novelty, but like to me, it's much more interesting to say, well, what can we do to make this a more interesting experience within the constraints of what this medium, generally speaking, right. is? You know, you can try some like crazy shit, but like I don't right. like but the idea that, of this like constantly ratcheting up the bar. The, the thing about that, like every movie will have smello thing. In this it. is where yeah. it sort of starts to bother me a little bit because that's then saying the Oculus Rift or all-encompassing aesthetic VR is not acceptable as a medium because it's just derived from film huh? like this like this guy's using the oculus rift as the 
jumping off point for its goal. Like he uses it at the slippery slope of of immersion, right? Festival. I mean, which I, I, actually that's probably where I draw my. That's, I think that's, that's where, where I kind of because I think the intent behind film is not what you celebrate in film as a medium. Like where, where like the intent behind the Oculus Rift has no bearing on what content people could choose to make with it and what people can choose to actually find about what that has to offer as an experience. Right now it's you're inside Team Fortress 2 because it's real life. But right? That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That this is what the Oculus Rift is, but like I don't know. I don't know. I I mean I think I'm not sure it's I'm funny just, because sure. film yeah, I'm not really tracking, but I think film have like everybody talks about day one film school, the suspension of disbelief. So you internalize that as a concept and you're able to delineate between, okay, this, I am, I, I'm experiencing the suspension of disbelief. Therefore I'm able to experience this film in a way where I digest its characters and events and themes on a both emotional and, um, like a very a critical level. Yeah. And then I can walk out of the theater and, Either say, oh, I had a thrill ride of an experience. Oh, I didn't like that movie. I thought its themes right. were bad. Yes. I didn't like it just because I have different taste. Or I have a critical analysis. You can fall anywhere on the spectrum of what a human being's experience right. of a film was. But it's so funny. Like The buzzword for games is just immersion. And I'm, I'm so immersed. The suspension of disbelief and like where the seams are of the artifice. Like that's not really language we have for common the commonplace discussion of games. So it sort of means we're at like either zero or a hundred. That we're either like living inside the game world or we're like playing, you know, a Metacritic forty that plays like shit. You know, there's no sort of I had this really I experienced a suspension of disbelief and we're able to stay at a comfortable audience. Yeah, I mean you're saying like the immersion not as like a literal statement, but as like is this world internally consistent? Like, do the characters make me believe that? Right. Do I go for periods are, of time in this game just not think, not yeah. th- not seeing L- the artifice, losing of it. myself in it? Yeah. Like in the abstract sense, not in the literal sense of like it actually occupies all 360 degrees of my eyeballs. Yeah. Right. I guess just yeah. for me, when you were talking about like layering on smell of vision and layering mm-hmm. on wind in your face and stuff, you were saying it's two of my favorite things. The, you were saying that the Oculus Rift is effectively another one of those. Like the all-encompassing virtual headset stuff is mm-hmm. effectively, but you're just it is today. You're saying like the theoretical eventual uses of that thing right. might be interesting it, in other ways. It's just interesting to me that like where is the breaking point at which point things which involve visual imagery are not the same medium anymore? Yeah, no, that's a totally valid point, and, and I don't know like where the right breaking now, point is. You're but right. like, I think that, like, but I probably won't care very much about stuff like the Oculus Rift until someone makes something right. that seems right. different enough that it is like its own thing unto itself. And like right. at that point, like yeah. I think right now it lives in that realm of novelty. So it is just smell of vision. Right. And, and it, I feel like it, stuff it like probably, 3d and movies like never got past yeah. that. Yes. Like Oculus Rift. Yeah. That's and a good like point. VR has the ability to die on, on that vine the same way as all that other stuff does. But it seems like of all of that weird shit, it has the potential to actually go off and do a thing that, that a fixed Thing that is not built mm-hmm. in that way can't do but i don't know sure yeah it would be fucking fascinating mm-hmm. if pt anderson made his next like just smell super complex <laughs> character drama in 3d oh, and he God. just said i just yeah, think that'd be so it, weird like, i just want to make a 3d yeah, film yeah. Oh, it isn't avatar it would be super gross but maybe maybe 3D? not though 3d is, know, yeah, like not. imagine just for a second if the master was conceived as a three as a three-dimensional film yeah there's scenes in that movie like scorsese 
tried to do that right and like didn't seem like anyone freaked out about that with hugo but i mean he just made i don't know he felt like he came into the 3D world as opposed to bring the 3D into the his world. The only movie I've ever seen like, described like the way PT you're Anderson talking about drag his maybe aesthetic. the only the only movie I haven't even seen this movie, so I can't even I can't even comment on it mm-hmm. myself. But the only movie I've I've heard talked about in that like fundamental like foundational way with respect to 3D is uh, Werner Herzog's Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Like mm. I've seen people say that is like fundamentally uh, like the experience is so additive that it's actually like you know. Yeah, I'd be fa- I've never seen it. But I, I like Werner Herzog I think a lot, watching 3D content in a cinema or on a big fat TV in your living room is never going to feel like anything other than something added onto the top. Yeah, because it's it, like because novelty, it is yeah. literally added onto the top, and it yeah. never works well. Like no, literally, no. just it is just a thing that's bolted on. But over have you the noticed top. that the marketing of that stuff when it comes to trying to sell TVs as like it's like shit popping it's out like of fish the flying out of your <laughs> it's all yeah well, it's yeah. all yeah it's like that crazy that fish bird it's the that same all, like, as like the guy with. swinging a log and going three the- <laughs> it's still just that that's what all the marketing is yeah i know but i also feel like we're trying to be sold 3d tvs a little less right now than we yeah, were, oh, yeah we like, are nine well, months like, ago that's yeah. the thing that people have pointed out is that like e3 and ces like lately people don't talk about that shit at all yeah. people just stop yeah. talking about it it's, it's an assumed feature but it's also not a selling point but the thing that is funky to me about the specifics of of the Oculus Rift and of VR type stuff is that right now it's being sold as the most immersive most immersive version of television, but those devices as an actual way as a thing to create content for don't have a lot of the weird halfway house stuff that like 3D glasses or smell vision has because it, no it's like they've tripled down because, well, <laughs> yeah. also just the things about those things that are annoying ostensibly just work like they are actually intrinsic to this is a thing that you put over your eyes that deliberately creates an all-encompassing 3d image which is different than now the hand reaches out of the movie <laughs> yeah. screen like this is right. deliberately yeah, yeah, i hear you saying and saying because it's an all-encompassing 3d image means that the hand of the author is not present is weird because you can go to an exhibit at the moma where you don't think anyone said that that's kind, kind of what he's saying, saying. Oh, I, think, oh, I mean that's that's kind of where i took issue with the email is sort of the idea that if you're that immersed you're being passively asked to just trust this world right. that's been built for you as real. Like there, there is that, like, really there is that modern that. art exhibit where you literally just go into rooms that are completely filled with the color of light to the point that your eyes don't know what the input is yeah. that they're accepting. But that in and of itself is a deliberate, sure, overwhelming and immersive experience. But it's one that is de- – It's not there now, right? Now, no, it? It, it's, it, it, it came on from the SF moment a while okay. ago. But like that's an experience that's deliberately about – I would go do that. This – creating a weird yeah. a weird very specifically immersive experience Somebody can and your brain to, yeah. ask what the hell's going on with just it. to go out on a limb and like maybe try and extrapolate a little bit from what that guy's saying in a less in a less um uh, kind of black and white way and i don't even know if he meant it as black and white ways we're taking it but like but um i think it is true that even you know totally tossing shit like Oculus Rift and 3D in the garbage and not even well, taking them into account. Stuff like, saying still, just turn off your brain and enjoy it is, is garbage. That's well, I'm like. just, yeah, there's still stuff that is like sophisticated escapism that does do those things. And I think there are certain technologies that like more or less just want to facilitate that. Like to, to be like the way in which they're used is most effective when paired with something or like at least most marketable, like when paired with something that tries to achieve that thing like you could you could like a lot of like 
um, fictional representations of virtual reality, uh, reality and like movies and right. science fiction books and stuff are just about that. Like it's just about creating a place where you can just go live this like escapist life of like power fantasy. And like that's right. what the, that's like what those entire systems – and I'm not saying that that means that's what the real version has to only be. But like that's the way that as a society we sure. have traditionally always conceived virtual reality. Like the holodeck, like all that, yeah. all that that's shit. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah no, that's – I. I totally, I totally agree with that. I, mean, I think that it does kind of get closer to the point of what he's saying, and yes. that and that is the kind of thing that I am, I am wary of because games are so good at that. Like, they're so much better at that than movies are that I feel like it is kind of a potentially dangerous area at times because it's so like not it's not easy like it's fucking hard to make a game that's that's really good but when a like, game lands that. like that but when it does like, like it is I'll so seductive like it is so <laughs> yeah. like, and it's longer too like yeah. it takes it like take so much more of your I, life I, I, entirely, <laughs> like, wow. I entirely agree with everything that you're saying and i think though that and this is not meant at you or at the guy who is writing this email but that attitude often goes with a personality type that will then blanket disregard a medium because of its primary output sure yeah yeah yeah. And but I, I mean that's kind I, of all video so games i have yeah. yeah i mean i have two two responses to that one is like you, you might be right about that too is i feel like there are so many different creative media to enjoy in our world that like, I don't think it's the end of the world for people to tune some of them out. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like the, there's so much. Shit there's a there. difference between a person tuning something out for themselves personally and a person disregarding the potential merit. And that is where I, what I don't like mm-hmm. where if someone's saying this is not for me is different than saying, well, I don't see how anyone Ugh. like that's when you get to a place where I just, yeah, kind but of, I, mean, I don't, what's the point of addressing those people? Cause they're dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you're not willing to make a sophisticated argument and it's like, okay, fine. Well, it's not okay. Yeah. But I can see something that is actually a joy to look at inside of like an Oculus Rift. Let's just say it's rendered in such a way that you're just completely seduced by it. Like mm-hmm. when you look across the Savannah and Far Cry 2, <laughs> it's the 100th episode, gentlemen. It's necessary. Let's bring it home. You know what I mean, though? Yeah. When you just stand there, you go, good God. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. I could see something with that, with the mechanical properties of something like World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. and then just literally being like, whoops hello frame <laughs> prepare to get 70 pounds heavier yeah right. hello life hello everything yeah. goodbye, goodbye I mean, you know like yeah that is there is a that a i gen i my life philosophy is generally to not be afraid of things mm-hmm, that sure. are hypothetical mm-hmm. but i could see a dangerous concoction mm-hmm. there and i think if that's kind of what you're what yeah, you're talking no. about and i and like i don't i mean i also don't think there's anything wrong with like being skeptical of things or like not wanting to be an early adopter. Like I don't, you know, like I feel like if three years from now someone does something transcendent or like foundational with the Oculus Rift, I'll hear about it. You know what I mean? Like I'm oh, not, sure. I'm like, you didn't like, hear about Euro Truck Simulator. Uh, well, now I haven't. I'm no, I, mean, I, I entirely <laughs> understand that. Like I am, and it's, it's a thing about my personality that is actually not great. Maybe that I get excited about the potential of something. And, and then just, a crazy optimistic person about it. Like when we the, are three points on the like, early adopter graph. Like, <laughs> I don't necessarily, like, like I didn't, I didn't buy a PSP, but when the PSP was first announced and, I own a PSP. and no. Sony sort of was talking about the UMD format and also about the inklings of it, sort of maybe having some online stuff and, and just the notion that there was a portable system that was not quite at the, at the hardware scope of the PlayStation two, but was well above anything Nintendo was doing, I thought to myself, holy fuck, 
this is going to be an avenue for people to make really interesting games in the 3D space, and mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. Will, can play them in the handheld whether they're playing Nintendo games. Like, could this be a convergence of all these things? Wow! And I got really, really, really personally excited about that stuff. And then the PSP came out, and I was like, okay, this is actually just lower rent AAA stuff. Like, why was I? Why did I even think that this? as a device, had a unique potential. Like, I felt like an idiot. Didn't it? Ha- it and had one or two things on it. That yeah, was really it had, like, exactly. Luminous and stuff. Like, yeah. it had some cool oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it had a couple but, things. But, yeah, but that's, I felt on balance, like, similarly to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, now I'm saying these things about, oh, maybe the Oculus Rift actually just has the potential to be its own. You get one of those? Are you going to pre-order one of those? Not a dev kit. If the system comes out and costs less than $300, I might get one because I feel like we are obligated to at some point put an Oculus <laughs> take Rift on our of face. Like, we, we, go, we were going yeah. we to stick gonna our, our heads in the future as you can see. Anyway, thanks for a question that stoked good conversation. Yeah. Maybe that's it for today. Sure. It's been a long one. Yeah. Episode 100 Spectacular. Talk- sorry. sorry. I feel bad. Games. I feel like I was super um, – I'm coming off a cold thanks to being at PAX and GDC for like 10 days straight and Wombo just combo. nonstop the whole time. And like I feel like my voice is still in that bored register where it's like I'm not actually bored but yeah. I feel like I'm yeah. just in that – We're all a little weary. God, yeah, I'm really excited about for it. I went straight from GDC to a bachelor party in Vegas. I know. With my dad. Yeah. And 17 other people. Yeah. Four of which were his age. That's weird. I'm excited for us to finish Infinite and talk about it more. I wish we would have hot-seated it. I'm glad we didn't hot-seat Infinite. I'm glad that we all are playing it on our own. I just sit there and like I hear your computer down the hallway like making noises. I'm like, man, yeah. I just keep playing. I'm really glad that we're all uh, playing the, Infinite. The first couple hours I actually did not – I didn't plan this, but I hot-seated it with Nick Brecken and Steve. Uh, I'm glad that we always call Nick Nick Brecken now. <laughs> with Nick and Steve, uh, which was an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thanks, None guys. We're here to talk about it. Yeah, thanks for listening this week. Cool. And uh, if you're in Phoenix or in Arizona, go check oh, yeah. out ZapCon, Zapcon this weekend, April 6th. Yep. 25 bucks. It looks awesome. And if you don't know uh, Zach and Justin from the Kingdom of Loathing and what is the word game? What is the word game? In Video Games Hot Dog, their podcast. And uh, go say hi to them. They are two of the coolest dudes yeah, we've had the pleasure great. of meeting. Yeah. They've they're been really very good. good to us and they'll be good to you as well. Say something thumbs related to them. Yeah. You know what to say. Say how thumbs sent you. Yeah. <laughs> say Nick Brecken sent you. <laughs> yeah. Check it out. Zapcon.com. Goodbye. Bye. It's okay. Could you be quiet, please? Ha 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 ha. Like, I just. <laughs> video. Like, <laughs> ask you, like, excuse me. Could you, uh.